here with Stefan Diggs. Stefan, I know you guys have bigger goals in mind, but what does it mean to you guys knowing you can come in here and win? It's good. We went in a hostile environment. Uh, Josh played his ass off as usual. I mean, we came out here with a dub. We got a 24-hour rule. You know, we're going to look at the tape, see what we could have did better. We could have done a lot of things better. Give a lot to Josh. Josh came in and led us. Uh, I try to follow suit, doing the best way I can, and that's my quarterback. That is Stephon Diggs, the Buffalo Bills star receiver, paying tribute to his quarterback, Josh Allen, after they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and won the latest chapter of the most entertaining rivalry in professional football. But the Bills were not the only New York team to celebrate on Sunday. And while the Bills have this 24-hour rule that Diggs just talked about where they only celebrate for 24 hours after a game ends, the Giants and Jets don't appear to be under any such restrictions. So today, our quarterback, Alex Smith, takes us inside the minds of the best quarterbacks in football. And he tells us what he saw that we missed. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Monday, October 17th. This is ESPN Daily. So, Alex, Josh Allen, it turns out, is the first starting quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes twice at Arrowhead Stadium, like in history. He is the only person to do this. So that is one possible headline we can work with here. The other one, the biggest one, is simply that the Bills have beaten the Chiefs now 24 to 20. But the place we just absolutely have to start, obviously, is with the hurdle, Alex, (laughs) because it is less than two minutes left in the game. They're down three, Buffalo is, and Josh Allen does this. Oh, this is not good. You called it DiCaprio. The Titanic might be happening for Kansas City here. Here comes Allen with the keep and the leap. Oh, what a run by Josh Allen. And so you as a quarterback, as a person who's played this position, how, how did you perceive and feel that particular moment? Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's certain things that I obviously can relate to. You know, I played 16 years in the NFL and here's Josh Allen playing. And there are things that I can relate to Josh. Sure. About, you know, and his experiences. Hurdling a safety is not one of them, Pablo. (laughs) And this really boils down to the psychology of the defender. Mm. Not so much Josh. The fact is that when Josh comes rolling around a corner, this is a big man, a big, strong man, you know, that I, I've said this before. I've joked that like 40 years ago, he probably would have been playing tight end or linebacker. Yep. 6'5", uh, 250 or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Here he comes with a head full of steam around a corner. And the psychology for a, a safety in the NFL is I better protect myself and go low. Yes. You know, and therefore I think we instinctively get, in fact, I've joked with Josh about this. I think these aren't things he plans. They just kind of happen. And, you know, and it's clearly, this is, you know, kind of seems like the game, like a continuation of the playoff game or both regular season games, I should say, from last year, where basically whoever has the ball last is going to win. And here, you know, the Bills are driving, you know, for the game winner. They're they're down three. And, of course, you're going to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands, right? I mean, he's the best player on the, on your team. And they call his number. They call a little misdirection. They have a little fly sweep motion going to the left, and they're running this QB, QB kind of truck is what you would call it appropriate in kind of uh, NFL circles where he's got a tackle pulling around with him as his lead blocker. So here you've got a 300 plus pound offensive tackle, the right tackle pulling around Josh Allen, following him with, you know, big full head of steam. And 
Josh comes running up on Justin Reed. You know, the Chiefs' big money spend in the offseason, free agent signing, and one of the better safeties in the NFL. And Josh Allen just absolutely hurdles him. And again, I go back to this psychology. I cannot relate to this, Pablo, because when I'm running around a corner, if they're, you know, in a similar situation, every DB is licking their chops <laughs> to come absolutely rip my head off and blow me up for, you know, a highlight reel hit. And equally on the other side, when I'm running, I know this is what they're trying to do. So I have the opposite effect where it's like, you got to know the perfect moment to hit the deck or step out of bounds, right? Mm. Uh, and it couldn't be more of a role reversal in this case. You know, Justin Reed goes low and Josh Allen going airborne for a huge play in this game. You know, they kind of went from here on the fringe of the red zone and got him down in there tight into, into you know, scoring position to score a touchdown and take the lead. Obviously, the game-winning touchdown uh, shortly thereafter. And it just, I, I think, obviously illustrates all the things that Josh Allen can do because the throw he had right after uh, to Dawson Knox for the game winner. Yeah. Here comes Allen. Looking, looking long. Throws to the end zone. And the ball is caught. Of all people, it's Dawson Knox. I mean, to put together that kind of arm talent <laughs> to make a throw that good and then to put together with his physical ability uh, where here you are, you're running this, you know, this QB truck with him and it's it's a huge gain where he's hurtling defenders. It just is, uh, it's unreal. It was a ton of fun to watch. Uh, and and like you said, I kind of feel like we're, we're left with kind of intermission at this well, point. Well, hold, hold on. Before we, before we get to even that far ahead, what you said before, just the contrast in concert of the trucking, the brute force, and then the precision, right? Like the Dawson Knox touchdown. I do want to have you explain what you saw there because this was a minute and four seconds left in the game. This was a dart. And the play call, the execution suggested what to you about, about all of this? Yeah, you know, Steve Spagnolo, it, it, it kind of been a back and forth chess match all game with Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey in this offense. And you know, a mix of when to pressure Josh Allen and this Bills offense and when to sit back and, and play coverage. You know, it had been a great test up until that point. They'd each kind of had been making plays. You know, Josh Allen finally got some man pressure looks uh, earlier in the game and made him pay with touchdown passes to Diggs and, and Gabe Davis. And then here with the game on the line, a minute and four, the Chiefs are in, you know, what I would call it's man across the board, but there's kind of two high safeties. And so it's not a pressure look at all. And then on the snap, what they're going to do, one of the safeties is actually strictly just going to double Stefan Diggs. Mm. You know, Stefan Diggs had an absurd night. I think he had 10 catches for like 150 yards. And so this is basically a defense where Steve Spagnuolo is saying, we're, your best player is not going to beat us. And with that, the other safety also drops in and is going to spy Josh Allen for a run. So as a matter of fact, he's saying, your two best players are not going to beat us. Josh Allen's not going to beat us with his legs. He just had right. the big run. Logical. This sounds very logical so far. Yep. So everybody else with that, though, is manned up with no help. And so here we have Justin Reed again, manned up with Dawson Knox. And it's funny. You can see Josh Allen kind of identify this almost instantly. Mm. He sees the safeties drop in. He sees the safety running down to double digs. And he almost points Dawson Knox open and then throws him open with just an absolute dart. So... The safety that's fallen down, you know, he's, he's dropped down into double digs. Well, he's almost in the passing lane at this point below Dawson Knox. And Josh Allen just absolutely threads this needle. It, it goes about six inches over his leaping hands and just hits Dawson Knox right in the arms uh, for the game winner. I mean, 
it reminds me of a phrase we talk about in, in the NFL circles is there's really no defense for a perfect throw. And this was the case. I mean, it was a great defensive call. It was actually really, really good coverage by Justin Reed and just an absolute amazing play and throw by Josh Allen in the biggest moment. It feels extraordinarily unfair, right? You've now outlined all of these superpowers <laughs> and the ability to diagnose and dissect a defense now, Alex. We'll now recall to the uh, humiliation of every analyst in this business that this was the thing that he was not supposed to be very good at coming into the NFL. Yep. Was, was exactly this. Yeah, exactly. Inaccurate guy. Yeah, he had a big arm, but really couldn't hit the target, missed it a lot. And I think we, we do have to mention here is the Bills O-line in a critical moment gave him a lot of time to really diagnose this. Like I said, when you can drop back and point your tight end open and then throw a strike for the game winner, um, those guys up front did an amazing job, uh, gave him a great pocket when it mattered most. Mm. And then again, for him just to show off all his tools uh, there at the end of the game for us. But on the flip side, you're, I, I think as soon as he made the play, we all we all looked to the time on the clock, right? It's a yep. minute, four, minute and four seconds. And I kept thinking, oh, that's too much time, you know? Uh, it's, it's they scored too soon. Oh no! It's like it's like almost ten times as much as he needed last time, right? Thirteen seconds was yeah, exactly. about all you needed. The last time we saw this, and so here is the encore, is what everybody's thinking. Yeah, here is the encore. But then, right, and everybody, everybody in Bills Mafia is just uh, holding their breath. Everyone is freaking out. But with fifty seconds left, Patrick Mahomes, who again, you know as well as anybody, he was your backup in Kansas City. Just to refresh everyone's memory here, and he is as good as it gets, right? He throws an interception. Mahomes takes, has a pocket, gets away to the right a little bit. He fires downfield. It is picked off, picked off at the 20-yard line, intercepted by the Bills, picked off by Darren Johnson. He goes down right there, and the Bills have the football. They are celebrating. They're running down to the end zone for the celebration. What was he thinking here, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously it's one that, that Patrick's going to want to have back. For me, I think it kind of goes to this, again, this chess match of here now the Bills defense going against obviously one of the best. They really couldn't slow down Kansas City at all, uh, all night. You know, Patrick, other than a goofy mistake on the opening drive, really had kind of been flawless. And uh, they decided to play coverage, right? So they, they in fact, they dropped eight in this, in this instant. And Vaughn Miller, who had, had really been playing awesome all night, created some penetration. He kind of pinched inside the tackle and caused Patrick Mahomes to flush out to his right. Well, the Bills were running a similar aspect in the sense that Matt Milano was spying Patrick Mahomes. Mm. So on this moment, when, when Patrick flushes to his right, it almost keys Matt Milano to take off and break for him because this is his entire job is just to spy Patrick. So he triggers and, and fires on Patrick. So all of a sudden now, Patrick, who normally we've seen pick apart similar defenses like this really had to move and flush. And then all of a sudden Matt Milano had played great all night is running up on him and made him make a quick decision on a first and 10, you know? So I think this, this looking back that Patrick's going to want back, but he, he forces a ball to a crossing sky more doesn't see out in front of him. And, you know, Bill's defender steps up and makes the game winning interception. And really it was the play of the game. We knew it was going to come down to something like this in the sense that one play here or there was going to make the difference in a game like this. And it, it ended up being the Bills defense and, and really a mistake by Patrick in the end uh, with under a minute left to play that 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 uh, decided things. But uh, again, for me, I'm just left with like, I, I, 
wanting more, yes. you know, well, with a minute left, with a, with a minute left. We're so, I was used for maybe a couple more scores and, and I think we're just going to have to wait a few more months, Pablo. I mean, look, even at, at, at the intermission of this game, I was left desperately wanting more, right? I mean, look, the first time they played, you know, the last time they played, they combined for 78 points and that went to overtime and that resulted in rules changes because we wanted more so bad that the NFL was like, you know what? You're right. You should have gotten more. Um, but this game, you know, it was 44 total. And at the half, you're like, what the hell are we going to talk about post game? This is like a snooze, relatively speaking. What was happening differently here in your mind in that first half and then even into the whole game? Like what felt different about this given the expectations of fireworks we had going in? I think both these teams have gotten much better on the defensive side of the ball. These are much more well-rounded teams than we saw late in the year last year when it was the offensive fireworks, you know, and, and, and I think that says a lot about, I, we very well could see the two best teams. We just watched the two best teams in the NFL play, right? Hmm. I mean, I, I know they're both in the AFC, but yeah, from a, uh, from a roster standpoint across the board, it, 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 it would be hard to imagine a better team, especially with these two playing quarterback. And I think that was kind of the difference. And I think a little bit, we saw an unpredictability in these defenses all night, right? when to gamble, when to play coverage, uh, when to kind of throw the opponent quarterback, you know, on his heels. And, and uh, it was a bit of a, I think, a much more balanced kind of slugfest in that regard, in the sense that the defenses were fighting back a little more and, and kind of had, you know, personnel to do that. Um, so I know it wasn't, again, it wasn't the 78-point uh, the, the game that we, we saw in the playoffs, but I thought it was a, a ton of fun to watch, actually seeing these QBs kind of diagnose what the defenses were doing and countering them. I, I thought this Kansas City offense, I mean, besides those two, two turnovers, looked, uh, again, you know, following their performance last week against the Raiders, looked dynamite, you know, without Tyreek Hill again, still have a ton of big play potential. Juju Smith-Schuster looked great again tonight, but uh, that was the difference, the two the two turnovers. Right, um, right. You know, the two interceptions that Patrick made really were the difference in, in, a, in a ball game that like, obviously the margin of error was going to be small. We knew coming down into that. Yeah, I mean, look, they don't have Tyreek. That's been an adjustment, although they have flourished at times. But I guess just at the end, I do want to know, like, you know this Chiefs team so well. You know so many of the principles. They're still the guys you played with. Kelsey is still there. Andy Reid still... I mean, it's, it's remarkable, right? What are you hoping they do differently next time, right? Like, what's their homework assignment that you would give them, Alex? If you were still in that locker room, what would you be saying to these guys? Oh, I think for me, the two glaring ones weren't on this offensive side of the ball. I mean, clearly Patrick, right? Don't turn the ball over. He threw, he threw an interception on the opening drive in the red zone going into score. They had points. Um, and then obviously the interception at the end. Mm. For me, it was really on the defensive side of the ball, putting a rookie corner, Joshua Williams, twice man-to-man -man on Gabe Davis uh, and Stefan Diggs. And both times, Josh Allen made him pay. And for me, that potentially that matchup looks different. Uh, the Chiefs banged up right now in the secondary and on defense, and that uh, potentially those matchups are different. But I think a tall task to ask a rookie in those situations to play to play man to man on two of the better receivers and deep threats in all of football. And I think equally, those were a couple of plays that got made that, that really uh, were huge momentum shifts. Again. Both these QBs are so good, and, and and knowing when not to pressure, especially on the personnel side again, to match up a rookie with with the wideouts that the Bills have, uh, I think they're going to look back at this and 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 think twice about that, you know, come January. 
Yeah, God, it's going to be so cold. Yeah. But our homework for this intermission, Alex, is to figure out the other rivalry we saw on Sunday night. So let's get to Cowboys-Eagles and the showdown atop the NFC after this quick break. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So Alex, the Philadelphia Eagles are 6-0. They are the lone undefeated left in this sport. They beat the Cowboys 26 to 17. The Cowboys now four and two themselves, no slouch. But when you're watching this game, I am curious, like when you see the Eagles, what part of them feels like, oh, this is a team that should be undefeated. Like what part of them makes them special, would you say at this point? I think the the line of scrimmage, if that makes any sense. They, they, they win the line of scrimmage. They're good on the offensive and defensive side of the, the walls on, up front. And when I say good, like really, really good. I mean, we've talked, to, we've talked about some bad offensive lines. Yes. Uh, this, is, this is not one of them. This is one of the best offensive lines in football that to start the first half of this game absolutely dominated. You know, they enforced their will upon a Dallas defense that, right, that we've talked about is, is you know, lighting the world on fire. No, this was their strength. Right. This was their this was their special edge was Micah Parsons and all those guys. And what did you see from the Eagles in response? Well, I saw exactly that, like in the first half that they were going to come out. And this is the Eagles strength. Jalen Hurts is really, really improved in the passing game. But at its core, with him running the football back there and all the, the RPOs and read options that they can do with him um, really make them hard to defend in the run game. They're hard to account for. Uh, we saw it all night. Michael Parsons, half the time, they didn't even block him, and they, they they were reading him, and he still couldn't make a play. And then they, it just frees up so many one-on-ones in the pass game. And then, you know, they've obviously got a ton of playmakers outside uh, that, that can hurt you. But if anything, I felt like they kind of just, you know, they dominated the first half, and they kind of uh, walked this game in in the second half. And they can just beat you in so many ways. And, and I think they, they really handled this game well. I think as a whole, they basically said, listen, Micah Parsons – uh, and Trevon Diggs are not going to beat us. And they really kept them at bay all night. Uh, made Cooper rush, put the ball in his hands. And and I think at this point we can can obviously put <laughs> put the Cooper rush drama to bed. Yeah, I was going to say just the official, the official like, uh, you know, I guess it's autumn, it's appropriate. The official return of carriage into pumpkin feels it's, it's upon us as Dak is, is, his thumb is looking like it's able to squeeze a real football in a real game. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, hats off to Cooper Rush. I mean, what an amazing job he did. But to, to watch this game on primetime tonight, uh, it was definitely glaring that they were missing Dak. And, and I think they'll be happy to have him back. But again, I, I, I do think the Eagles are the most complete team on that 
in that conference and uh, deservedly again for how this roster is built just really really deep yeah i mean it feels like the chiefs are good the bills are good we just talked about them um great even the eagles i think are good we'll get to the giants in, in a second here but but you mentioned just like dominant offensive line play and, and we talk about the o-line on this show with you a lot what does I mean Jason Kelsey, right? Is he's he plays every game. Like that's part of his legend now, the streak he's on. Um, I know he played with his brother, obviously, in Kansas City. But what what does elite center play look like? Like explain what you appreciate about the Eagles when you see how their O-line works up front. Yeah, it's it's funny. Those are two words you you know really don't get put together that often is elite center play, you know, but he is that. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, Jason Kelsey is hands down the best center in football mm. and has been for the last decade. If you got a bunch of centers in a room, Pablo, and then asked them to talk about Jason Kelsey, I mean, freakish would come out. Like, like the adjectives that would come out about him, he's, he's just so unique. The things that he can do at that position really do give them a lot of flexibility. There's not many centers, obviously, that I think that just, first of all, are as good athletes as he is. Nothing against all the centers in the world. But I got to confess, I, I don't know if people appreciate, I, I don't appreciate the full extent of his athleticism. Describe him and what makes him freakish. Like, what's, what, what is he like when you examine him as an athlete? I don't think Jason be shocked if he, he's right around 300 pounds. I bet he works his tail off to stay there. Um, but a lot of times I think he's 290, which is really small for an offensive center. I bet, he, I bet he's the smallest center in football, but he's the best. Predominantly in the NFL, uh, most teams play a version of what we would call four down line, meaning to some degree the guards are covered and then there's defensive ends that are outside on the tackles and tight ends. So really, occasionally you can have a nose guard that'll shade a center, but typically he he has an open gap and it really kind of allows him to get up to the second level, right? To combo block with guards and get up to the second level. And second level, I mean linebackers to so the better athletes. Mm. And Kelsey is just so quick and strong that the angles he can take, uh, there's ability again to get up to linebackers and open holes on the second level is just really, really unique. His ability to pull, there's not many centers that you can block down with a guard and pull your, your again, your offensive center uh, around. It's kind of his signature move. They do it more often than any team in football uh, is pull the center. And it's kind of because of his ability. And then I think when you you add on the the fact that they have a, a young quarterback still in Jalen Hurts, the center really is what ties the five offensive linemen together, right? As long as they're all on the same page, typically you you really eliminate the terrible play happening, Pablo. Like the worst case scenario is that there's there's bad communication. One part of the line's thinking one thing, one part of the line's thinking the others, and that's how bad bad stuff uh, takes place. But he, he's the guy that really coordinates that entire effort up front. Uh, he's calling out. He's making all the Mike declarations. That is the Mike linebacker and all the run and pass game. I mean, he's making every single call up front. And that's, I think, a really great tool for a young quarterback like Jalen to have that up front. And I think, especially here going into the second year of this offense, I think you've really seen, yeah, I mean, this is a complex run game. And it, it all does, I think, come back to him. This right. is the guy that, that's at the center of it, making it go, not just from a physical standpoint that he can do so much, but obviously from mentally, this is a veteran guy that's played a lot of football and, and diagnoses it and gets everybody on the same page. Yeah, I don't think that is something that football fans... Again, I speak broadly, but specifically about myself. I did not realize that the center, that Jason Kelsey had all those responsibilities. And responsibilities, it sounds like, that help defray the stress on, on 
Yeah, obviously on Jalen Hurts. It sounds like this is the type of guy, Alex, that you or anybody would have wished to have starting off playing this sport. There's 31 other teams that wish they have Jason Kelsey. (laughs) All right. Well, you mentioned the teams that we need to figure out in general, and I want to get to two of them, both technically in the city of New York, although not really at all in New York after the break. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Last week, Alex, we did sing the praises of the New York Giants. We sung the praises of Brian Dable, the new head coach. But now it's that much more real. I mean, they're 5-1. and one. They came back to beat the Ravens 24-20. to 20. In the last three minutes alone, right, they turn over Lamar Jackson twice. The first time's an interception. The second time is the sack fumble to win it. What did those plays tell you about this team and also the former MVP they were picking apart? I love what the Giants are doing. I love what Brian Dayball is building. Certainly the front runner for coach of the year at this point to have the Giants sitting where they are. Yeah. And they played really, really sound football. And that's what they've been doing all year, right? This is a team that we have seen beat themselves week in and week out over the last five, seven years, you know? Projected to be dead last in the NFC East heading into this season for that reason. Yes. And, and then watching them, they just they just aren't doing it. Were they electric on offense today? Absolutely not, but they didn't turn the ball over. They had a fumble at the end of half on a Hail Mary attempt, so I don't really count that. Essentially, they were they were turnover-free. They play good on special teams, and defense, you know, Wink Martindale has got them playing with some a lot of character and kind of swagger, I would say. Wink Martindale, um, as, as swaggy a 60-year-old man as there is, who was let go essentially by the Ravens yep. and then took over this Giants defense as the subplot of this specific game. 
Yeah, and he's got him really kind of believing, and he's got a really good, really talented defensive line. There's three first-rounders up front on this defensive line that are are playing at a high level. They didn't play awesome, but they they held this team out of they, it, multiple times in the red zone trips. They held him to three a bunch, and it, and it kind of made a difference. But the big picture of this was really the Ravens just giving this away at the end. But I thought about you, Alex, because you are the number one preacher of don't try to do something stupid when you have downs left to play. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson, describe what he did as you as you observed it. The Giants hadn't really done anything all day. And they, they finally put together a drive in the fourth quarter. They were down 10, so they make it a three-point game. This is a, by the way, this is a Ravens team. I do have to say that ran the ball for over eight yards a carry today. They ran for 211 yards. Yep. Well, the Ravens get the ball back. And like I said, they're running the ball at will. They get to a third and one at their 45-yard line. So they're driving. There's three minutes left. And they call a QB sneak. And they get the QB sneak by like like three yards. I mean, it's not even close. And here they are marching. I kind of think they're going to put this game away. Mm -hmm. Well, they get flagged for an illegal formation. Jackson will keep it over left tackle, and he gets the first down. A late flag thrown from the far side of the field. And the signal's going to be, I believe, an illegal formation. The tight end wasn't on the line of scrimmage covering up the offensive tackle, and it was a great call. So here they go from third and one. They've just converted a third and one, and they go to a third and six. And Lamar Jackson is in shotgun, and the ball skips through his hands and goes behind him. And it's bouncing, and he turns and chases it, and he, it bounces up, and he catches it. So he's, he's retreating, losing grounds, and he's running around the edge. And at this point... He's almost 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage, Pablo. <laughs> he's inside his own 20. And you're thinking you're thinking he's going to make a great play, right? He's actually going to just chuck this ball out of bounds, and they can punt and play defense, probably win the game. And he tries this heroic pass up the field. He's under pressure. He's back at the 20. Sidearms and intercepted. Picked off by Julian Love at the 40. He's in the 35-30. Love cuts at the 20. Hurdles a man at the 15. And he's tackled at the 14-yard line. So here you've just gift-wrapped a potential overtime game at, at, at the worst-case scenario to this Giants offense. Again, that had really been kind of pedestrian all day. They, they hadn't really done mm-hmm. much. Yes, yes. And once you know it, they hit the game-winner you know, a few plays later. And off Bart, the leap to the end zone, touchdown Giants. And the Giants have the lead with 143 to go. You know, and then there's still a lot of time left, right? Like, uh, he's kind of made this just catastrophic mistake. Well, here they get the ball back, and they got plenty of time. Oh, I think there's just under two minutes, and here we're going to see Lamar march him down and, and go get the game winner. And second play, he fumbles. Jackson in a shotgun set, calls signals, takes the snap, he's back to throw. Under pressure, hit by Thibodeau, ball comes loose, and the Giants scramble for it. It's still loose, and finally recovered by the Giants. Kayvon Thibodeau, the first-round pick for the Giants, the defensive end, uh, with the sack fumble, and they recover it, and the Giants ice it away. I just want the listener to understand that as you were recounting what Lamar did in those two plays, your head was literally in your hands. Yeah. It was painful for you to relive that. Yeah, this is a Ravens team that I think is a handful of plays away from being 6-0, and Pablo. Mm. And they're sitting here at 3-3. Three and three. Again, I think the Ravens outgained them by almost 200 yards, dominated the time of possession. Again, to, uh, almost nine yards a carry running the football and, and lost the ball game. This is how we now turn, of course, to the New York Jets. Because no one knows the feeling of just suffering 
quite like this fan base, I would say at this point. And what they did, Alex, what they did was they completed their own rite of passage to joining the New York football renaissance because they too have beaten Aaron Rodgers now. Yep. The Giants did this last week. That was their big milestone achievement. Now the Jets do it. And it's even more humiliating actually this time, right? They beat the Packers 27 to 10 in Green Bay. And now they're four and two. The New York Jets are four and two right behind the Bills in this AFC East. And what jumped out at you about how they won? Aaron Rodgers didn't have a chance in this game. Mm. I mean, he didn't have a chance. You know, yeah, they, they let one go away in London last week, but we got the long road trip and, you know, time change to, to blame. And here they are coming back to Lambeau and, and facing the lowly Jets. And surely this will be the rebound game they need uh, to get back on track. And the Jets defense absolutely dominated this game. This Packers O-line is a shadow of its former self. They couldn't run the ball. Aaron Jones didn't have a chance. I mean, one of the best backs in football that we have seen get in the open field and make a lot of plays. Uh, they got another great back in A.J. Dillon. Uh, none of them had a chance. No, 60 combined yards on the ground. Yeah. They were so dysfunctional up front. And not that the Jets looked any better on their offensive side of the ball because they didn't. But in the second half in the third quarter, they found just enough trick plays, just enough kind of misdirection. They hit a double move down the field. They hit an end around uh, reverse to Braxton Berrios for a touchdown. They blocked a punt for a scoop and score. And so I think this Packers offense and Aaron and, and Matt LaFleur have really got to look themselves in the mirror at this point because they got to, I, I think, try something different. Post game. I want to get to Rogers post game here for a second, because after the game, what he was talking about was the need for things to be simplified. That was the word he kept on repeating. A lot of it's very simple mistakes. So we're making simple mistakes on complex plays. Uh, to me, the natural response is to simplify things even more. As a quarterback, how do you hear that word? What does that word mean in the context of this offense and this game? I'm just left with, I think, they have to... I think, put the ball in his hands. He's the best player on the team. Again, he's the two-time reigning MVP. And I think they've got to just spread people out and let Aaron deal. Simplify it. Let him go out there and operate almost in a, in like a, a you would in a no huddle scenario. Mm. You know, they got to pick their moments where they can chip the edges and help this offensive line, but let him go out and kind of pick defenses apart. Um, right now, I think they're taking the ball out of his hands far too often. And nobody else is really that good, right? We mentioned the backs, but... Nobody outside at receivers no. that good. Nobody's consistently separating beyond Alan Lazard at times. Nobody really scares you. I, I think they've got to realize this. And again, just kind of Aaron's their best bet to turn this thing around. And I think they got to call his number far more often. And, and I think that kind of comes from a scenario of get him back there in the gun, let spread it out if you have to, and let him kind of, right? I mean, he's one of the smartest QBs to play the game one of the most talented, and let him kind of operate. And I think that's what I hear from a simplification standpoint. Trying to run this scheme, this playbook, the way it is, it, it's just not working. Um, and I do think they need to adjust. And, and obviously, as Aaron's saying, uh, it's, it's a simplification. Well, the other thing that Aaron Rodgers is hearing is something he does not like. He's hearing a lot of negative self-talk, apparently. <laughs> He's a big positive, positive psychology guy. Alex, he yep. complained about it after the loss of the Giants. Frankly, I don't like all this... Conversation about losing next week. I'm a firm believer in the power of words and manifestation, and we got to check ourselves on that because talking about that is not that's not winning football. He warned against it after this loss to the Jets. Wobbly 
only if people are breaking rank. You know, I think it'll be interesting to look at the comments uh, from all of our guys and coaches, and hopefully we stick together. That's the important thing. But until I see us breaking ranks, I'm not going to say there's any wobbliness. Where are you on on words being spells? Are you are you a big positive talk, <laughs> uh, or we or we're all doomed kind of a guy? How how do you see it or hear it? I guess I hear what Aaron's saying on this, and I and I do somewhat have to I, I do have to agree with them as 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 weird and as uh, <laughs> you know as weird as it is. Like I do think. You know, just hear the tone after their Giants game last week in the sense that, like, there was that kind of the negativity. Well, if we lose next week uh, to the Jets, then we'll be worried. And and by the way, spoiler alert, um, they should be real worried. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, You know, I do I do believe sometimes, like, putting things out there in the air as far as positivity. You know, for me, I, I do think back to when I said I wanted to play football again with my leg. Mm. That, that was a very That was a very big moment for me to say that out loud. I was terrified when I said it, Pablo. So to go to the internal voice, no, there was a lot of negativity going on inside my head, <laughs> you know, because I thought I was going to make a fool out of myself, right? I thought I was going to fail. Mm. Um, and I think it was really healthy, though, that I did say it because it really challenged me, challenged myself to hold myself accountable. Um, so I, I get what he's saying, right? Like, this is a team, like, why, why are they even talking about it, you know? And, and, uh, there was a lot of negativity last week, Pablo. There's got to be even more this week because he, he lost to the New York teams back-to-back weeks, and this time it was at home to the lowly Jets. Okay, so this is this is where I have to intervene on behalf of our Jets fan producer, Chris Tuminello, who's on the line here and is furious that you've now said the lowly Jets a non-zero number of times. And so in the spirit of positive psychology, Alex, I feel like we should both apologize to the Jets because what they have done here... Four and two, whether they win another game or not, I, I I am sorry, New York Jets, for underestimating you. You deserve all the positivity that you desire. No, equally, I do apologize. I say it in, in an obviously half jest. Um, <laughs> but I, on that same note, Pablo, I'm I'm really, you know, I can't help but to think back to to head coach Robert Sala, you know, several weeks ago when this team was what were they zero and two or one and two, talking about he was keeping receipts. Yeah. On, on what people were saying about him. I think that sent a message, right, to this team a little bit in the sense that, you know, he believed in them. He knew what they had. Good for them winning three in a row at this point. And uh, I will try to keep that uh, out of my vocabulary here going no, forward, at no, least. Uh, no, here, here's the thing about receipts. Yes, um, totally respect it. But there is a no refund policy on ESPN Daily, Alex Smith. So thank you. Thank you for going on the record with us again. Thanks, Pablo, man. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.